my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, the three of us each bring a fic to discuss. Nick, what are you bringing this time? My fic for this episode is called To Keep You Inside by Ergiad SLV, and it is a fic for the Shades of Magic book trilogy by V.E. Schwab. Reed, what did you bring this time? My fic is Death of a Sparrow, written by Eye on the Sparrow. Ah. Um... It is, and this really never gets old every time I say it, it is a fic for Griffin McElroy's Nuzlocke Challenge from the POV of his Pidgeot. <laughs> God. And it's good. Yeah, it's we're going to get like, there, y'all. Wow, what a fic, but that is a sentence that just never gets old. <laughs> uh, Brenna, what have you got? Yeah, my fic this week is called With My Feet Towards the Stars, Let Me Remember You As You Were When You Existed by Carrier, and it is a Star Trek reboot series fic. Amazing. So before we get into today's episode, um, instead of sort of our, our usual intros, we want to take this time to discuss the conversations that have been happening recently regarding racism in fandom and in fanish spaces. Um, these are often pretty complicated conversations to have, especially because I think they aim to address multiple aspects of in- injustice and harm um, by using the same answers and solutions to kind of try and find a band-aid for everything instead of addressing how deeply these issues are entrenched in fandom. Um, just like I think they are in every other aspect of our society, at least from my perspective as someone living in America right now. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a conversation that's been had for years at this point, um, since maybe the inception of fandom. Um, and it's, it's not just fandom, right? We, we've seen a lot of these conversations start, um, in different spaces and come into fandom, um, or they will start specifically around fic or treatment of a character or the way in which people choose to engage, whether that's in some explicitly racist way that I think can be easier to, um, denounce publicly or in some way that is having, more of, I guess I would say, an implicit impact on the way that they are fanning, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think we see that in, like, fandom spaces where fans are, like, largely unwilling to center Black characters, even when Black characters are very prominent um, in whatever media it is. It's, like, at quote-unquote best, you can say they're ignored. At worst, it's the target of, like, some vitriolic stereotypes and language and things like that. Um, and like you said, I mean, I think this is not a new problem. Um, fandom in many ways is cyclical. This is something that we've seen, or not we've seen, like, I don't know, in the past couple weeks, whatever, I've been doing a lot of reading. There's a lot of history that came sort of before I entered fandom spaces. Um, but I am doing my research and, and learning about the history and seeing the exact same conversations happening now that were happening 10 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think to Reed's point about fandom's sort of unwillingness to center Black characters and other characters of color, fandom has a tendency to do that to its Black fans and other fans of color as well. Um, 
just like the characters often get pushed aside or um, are subject to being sort of the center of maybe derogatory tropes, things like that. Um, Black fans often face harassment and are made to feel unwelcome in a lot of fandom spaces. And I think fandom often glosses over that and doesn't like to admit that that's a problem (laughs) um, that exists. I think fandom often has an insistence that it's a space for everyone. Um, And I think I especially see that sometimes with fic, fic being a space that everyone can partake in equally. Um, But the work isn't necessarily done to try and actually make that a reality. Um, I think there's often this sort of utopic vision of what fandom could look like, and we ex- we insist that that is already in place when it's not. Um, I think we're seeing that, especially right now, with some of the conversations regarding like AO3 and their policies. Um, I think they often put that utopic vision out there, like it's everyone is treated equally. Um, but they're not, and people are faced with different treatment and harassment on the same site. Um, I think there needs to be real material changes put in place to protect Black fans, um, and we don't have those yet. Yeah, right now, um, we actually retweeted onto the FitClick Twitter. If you haven't seen yet, and you, like us, um, spend a lot of time on AO3 um, and are very engaged with um, that site and with the way that it hosts fic and um, are eager to hear what the OTW statement is going to be. It's forthcoming. Um, I don't think it's out yet at the time of this recording. Um, the elections for OTW, that stands for Organization for Transformative Works, um, it is sort of the parent nonprofit under which AO3 resides. Um, the elections are happening. And um, at the time of recording, I think that might not be the case when this is posted, um, but questions are open um, for the candidates to discuss and to share before elections, and then elections are happening. So if you are a member, if you're engaged with that community, um, I would really encourage you to check that out. I think one of the ways in which change can happen is by putting people at the table who have the experience and the knowledge of the ways in which AO3 can and has been racist in the past. So I think that's one way in which I have been engaging. Um, Like Reed said, I think we've all been doing a lot of reading lately. Um, I circled back to learning more about Race Fail 09 and the J2 Haiti fic and stuff that was going on there. I'm not going to get too, too into it. There are a lot of resources that explain things much better than I could in a very quick summary of something I just read. Um, So we can share those out as well. But I would encourage you, um, if it's something that's new to you, um, I think um, for myself as someone who is multiracial, but also very much white identifying, um, I think it is easy to treat fandom as an escapist space, especially when you're younger, right? There is this utopic vision, um, like Bren said, that this is the place where you go to escape. This is the place where you feel comfortable. This is the place where you can kind of do or be whatever you want. Um, And that is a perspective that I think is very grounded in whiteness. Um, And if you look back and you see the conversations that fandom has been having for years and years and years about the treatment of, of Black fans, Indigenous fans, fans of color, um, I think that is an important perspective to hold with you as you move through Fanish spaces. Yeah, I mean, I was just thinking about as we've been sitting here talking, like we've said, like these conversations have been happening, like the fandom history is there and it's available. And um, if if you're someone who hasn't like engaged in this before, like now is a good time to like, there's never a bad time to start learning 
um, to start educating yourself. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree that I think one of the most important things you can do right now is to educate yourself on fandom history and the history of racism in fandom. Um, I can, I think this can sometimes feel harder to do uh, just because the resources or the articles aren't always as present. Um, I think some of the best things that we can do as fans is try and share where we are finding that information with other people. Um, And I think those resources do exist out there. Um, But it can be hard when you're first getting into fandom or maybe you haven't had these conversations before to try and do that work. But I think it's some of the most important work that we can be doing right now and to really realize how cyclical a lot of this is. Um, There are conversations fans have been having and conversations we as fans and fandom will need to continue to have. I think also, like, I just want to say, like, we want to have this conversation because, you know, at the core, like, we, we love fic and we love fandom and... I think the only way that we can sort of make progress in these spaces to sort of try and move towards something that is a better experience for Black fans and for all fans um, is to have these conversations and to face the parts of fandom that are sometimes harder to look at. I also know, like, personally amongst the three of us, like, we've been having a lot of conversations about what we want to do with this podcast and sort of our, our spaces, like our Twitter, our Discord, things like that. Um, we obviously like want to address these issues. We want to learn and we want to keep, um, like as Brenda said, we want to keep those conversations going. Like this is not something we want to talk about once um, and never come back to, but also we want to put in changes into the fandom spaces that we're holding um, and think about how we want to carry ourselves and like those spaces forward. Um, And sort of along those lines, like if you have thoughts on what we can be doing, like implementing um, changes that we could make, like we'd love to hear what you have to say. Um, And that's not in any way to say that we want other people to do the work for us. Um, But we do also acknowledge that we are just three individuals with three perspectives. Every person has their own experience with fandom, their own thoughts and insights. Um, And if you feel like you'd like to share that with us, or if you have any thoughts about, again, like I said, the podcast, the Twitter, Discord, any fandom space that we're holding, um, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we would really, really love to hear them. Yeah, like Reed said, we've been talking a lot about how we can sort of better address these issues in our own fandom spaces and fandom behaviors. Um... And like Reed said, if you want to let us know your thoughts, um, if you have other insights or other suggestions, we want to hear them. You can always reach us on our Twitter at FitClick. Um, you can also email us fitclickpod at gmail.com um, if you just want to have like sort of a one-on-one conversation um, or send us your long-form thoughts. We'd love to hear them. Um, we're also in our Discord a lot. If you're in there, you can always hit us up in there or you're welcome to join. We want to be able to have those conversations in there as well. Yeah, and I don't think any of us are claiming to be the the four leaders in fan studies about racism. Like, that's really not what we're trying to do here or claim. Um, I think for all of us, it's important to participate in this conversation, but not necessarily to frame ourselves as the leaders. So uh, we're going to be amplifying voices of people who have been doing this work for a lot longer than we have, sharing some perspectives out there that maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't. Um, and as a reminder, if you want to reach out to us, whether it is to share feedback for us or whether you just want to have a conversation with us, talk about this stuff, um, we are super open to that. So feel free to reach out. In the meantime, keep an eye on our socials. We'll be sharing some stuff out. Uh, Yeah. Appreciate y'all.
So my fic for this episode is called To Keep You Inside by Ergiad SLV, and it is a fic for the book series Shades of Magic by V.E. Schwab. The primary pairing is Rai Alucard. Uh, the other main characters that show up are pretty much just uh, Kel and Lila. So that is the premise. Nope, that's just the info. <laughs> um, <laughs> some more info for you. Uh, not a lot of content warnings for this one. Um, really, the main one is just that two of the characters, and I'll get into this a little bit more when I summarize the fandom a little, um, but two of them during the course of canon um, essentially entered a soul bond so as to save one of their lives. Um, they're able to feel each other's pain, and then you also get the sense that they pick up some emotions and other sensations from each other, and that's definitely explored in this fic. So um, with that comes some sort of blurry stuff around people experiencing things that the other one might not have wanted them to. There's a discussion very briefly about one of them having sex, the other one being like, I didn't really feel like, yikes. Um, it's very brief, it's very off screen, but just FYI, if that squicks you out or if that's something that you want to avoid, um, that does occur. Yeah, and then just like some injury stuff, I guess. Otherwise, not a whole lot. It's technically a fic that sets up a proposal, even though a lot of other stuff happens in it. Um, I wouldn't consider it particularly angsty necessarily. Um, so yeah, so Shades of Magic. Okay, I love this book series. I think Bren was actually one that recommended it to me. So thank you, Brenna, for the book wreck. Wow, Bre oh you, my some God. of you out there might be sitting there like, Brenna read a book. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> it was a couple years ago now. <laughs> but I did read them and they were good. Maybe someday, again, a book will find its way to Maybe. you. <laughs> it's, it's difficult, but we can imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's technically adult fantasy. Um, I would say in terms of thematic elements and just like the vibe, it does feel similar to YA literature in some ways, but it does definitely root itself in like the adult fantasy world, sort of a higher fantasy type situation. So the book series is set in kind of four different Londons. One of them, Grey London, is essentially the London of our world. There's no magic. Um, it's set nebulously in the past so they're not like using smartphones or whatever um but it is essentially our world red london is where i would say the bulk of the story takes place uh it is where our protagonist kel is from rye and alucard the other two main characters in this fic are also from there um it is a world where magic is fairly common and there are sort of people called the antari who are, are magical people. Um, Kel is one of them who has access to many different kinds of magic and is able to do them. Um, he sort of is a protector for the royal family in some ways, and he is adopted into it. Um, Rai is... Well, in the books, he's the prince until the very end. Y'all, big spoilers. Pew, pew, pew. I mean, when I started summarizing, you should have known there would be spoilers, but just a warning. Um, by the end of the books, Rai is the king of Arns, which is sort of the, the province under which Red London falls. Red London's like the capital. Um, yeah, so in the books, there is literally so much plot. I'm going to try and just give you the important stuff for this fic. Um, Alucard is a captain. He sails on the high seas um, in the Red London world. Um, he and Rai 
have a lot of history. By the end of the books, they are canonically together and dating, and they are presented as such in this fic. Um, Kel and Rye are adoptive brothers, and then Lila is from our world. Yeah, so Lila, she makes her way over. She's from Grey London, which is our world, but she does end up in Red London after her sort of encounter with Kel. Um, she does manage to discover some magic while she's aboard Alucard's ship. Um, I will say Alucard is not just a captain. He is a pirate. That's very important Woo! for you all to know. Yeah. Sorry, that's oh, me, yeah. Brenna, fan Piracy. of pirates. <laughs> we, you all know how we feel about pirates on this podcast. It's in the title of an episode. Yes. Um, yeah, so Lila then learns all about piracy in her own ways and is sort of a, a sneaky knife girl. Uh, we love her. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's the very, very, very vague surface level summary of like three quite long books. The last one is huge, um, but it's very good and they go fast. If you're interested in this, wow, super brief summary, I would encourage you to read them. Um, I think for Brent and I both, we were talking about how these were books that we read after a long time of not really reading books um, and how they were like a nice way to get back into it. So I would encourage you to do so, too, if you're into that. Yeah, I mean, reading this fic did make me want to read this series, like, very badly. I was like, do oh. Do it, coward. Okay, I will, probably. You own them. I do. <laughs> Reed, um, I think you will enjoy them during her knockoff book club sessions. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this fic technically picks up, I think, three years after the book sort of ends. So um, the last book ends. Um, Kel has been off seeing the world, experiencing things for the first time as, like, his own person um, on a ship, not um, under orders from the crown. So he's been off doing that, finding his independence. Rai has become king and has taken on those responsibilities. Um, Alucard is with him. Um, technically part of his private guard, I think. Really, I think it's, it's like, boyfriend status, um, which we do love. But um, he's been doing that, and then Lila's been off with Kel sailing, so... That is where we find these characters after the books end and right when the fic starts. So it's been years and the fic picks up with Kel finally returning uh, to check back in with his bro that he's only sent vague letters, like pretty short letters to in the last three years, um, which, you know, Rai is understandably a little hurt. So that's where we pick up the arc of the story. Spoilers, pew is about... Rai wanting to propose to Alucard, but there is a lot more to it than that, um, to the point where it, it it runs under the current of the story for sure, but it's not the main, I think, part of the story. So yeah, I'll, I'll stop talking now because um, I, I could just keep going, but I did want to hear what the two of you thought about it as someone who has read the books and someone who <laughs> has not. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, um, this fic was super fun. It really made me miss these characters. Like, I love this, these books. Um, and I think the characterization in this fic feels super true to them. Um, it was easy to just kind of get lost in the world again, even though admittedly there's stuff I didn't remember. <laughs> and I had to, like, do a little bit of Googling of my own. Um, <laughs> particularly because this fic, um, sort of reintroduces, uh, this magical tournament that happens in book two um and i couldn't i i i wanted to like remember who like 
had fought who and who won and all that kind of stuff. So I went back to look at some of that before, like, continuing further. Um, This fic doesn't really, like, delve that far into it. It sort of sets it up, but, like, that's the premise of it, I guess. Um, I don't know actually how to pronounce this tournament, which is why I'm avoiding saying it. (laughs) I have it right here, but in my head I always said it S and talk, but I think, I don't think that's right for the second word because there's an S in there that I'm ignoring. (laughs) S and tash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is how it's spelled. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I I called it sort of similarly the S and Tosk, but I don't know that that's correct. It could be Tosh. Yeah, regardless, because I haven't listened to the audiobooks or anything that would actually tell me. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a very fun tournament where basically the best magicians from across um, the world that Red London exists in um, compete. Uh, and in book two, um, three of our main characters, Alucard, Lila and Cal all compete. This time, as far as we know, none of them are going to compete, um, although we don't really get total clarification on that. I I did find myself wondering if Lila snuck in and, and competed under some disguise again. Right. Um, I hope but, so. <laughs> I know. But at least um, Kel and Alucard are sort of asked by Rai to sort of put on a demonstration, uh, I guess, or like a little ceremonial battle, basically, before the beginning of the actual tournament. Um, That's a big part of this, and sort of part of Rai's way of trying to make Alucard and Cal get over some of the some of their disagreements, some of their shit from earlier in their lives, um, and and be able to sort of both support him better. Uh, Yeah, it, it was really good. I liked it so much. I just love these characters. Like, I don't know what else there is to say. (laughs) I'd miss them. Yeah, I mean, as someone who did not know these characters at all going in, (laughs) I also now love them. Yay! Um, These characters were so fun. The characterizations in this fic were really, really good. Um, We talked, the three of us, before we got on the uh, pod, and Nick said that they felt like this fic did a pretty good job, like, keeping the characterizations true to the story, um, which I really enjoyed because I was like, wow, I really, really love the characters I've met here. Like, I really love the way that they're portrayed. So it's like nice to know that it feels fairly canon. Um, It was just like, it was fun. It's good. One of my notes is just like, ah, like we love a magical tournament because we do. (laughs) Um, I loved like the snippets of the world that I got from this fic. Um, I mean, I would assume like most people reading this fic, I think would go in having more knowledge of the books so like these things would not need to be explained to them and yet um as someone again who like didn't know anything and like didn't really do a whole lot of googling for summaries like i didn't ever feel super lost um there were things where i was like i don't know if this is canon or just like the author but like i still felt very immersed in the world and i think that's like um and i think that's just a strength of the author um that i could feel that way and that i could feel so engaged with these characters um not really knowing them um yeah, it was fun. It was good. I, <laughs> it's funny, Nick, that you said um, that undercurrent of Rai wanting to propose to Alucard is there throughout the fic because, uh, so the the author's notes at the beginning are like, hey, to the recipient, yeah. um, you asked for a wedding on the beach, and this may have gone considerably <laughs> astray from the request. At no point did I remember that that was part of oh. the request. Um, yeah, I and- didn't even read that part of the summary, so... <laughs> And then at the very, very end, um, there is a very sweet proposal on a boat. Yeah. So like, uh, on the water, which yeah. maybe touches sand, which they could be considered later a beach. get married on the beach. Probably, yeah, I yeah. think. That was my, um, it's implied. Yeah. By the author. <laughs> <laughs> the, the beach wedding is definitely implied by the fic <laughs> overall. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I just thought that was funny. You're like, yeah, like the the wedding, the proposal, <laughs> definitely an, an undercurrent. I was like, oh, uh, I didn't remember that was supposed to be part of the prompt at all. But it was very fun when I did get to the end and that proposal yeah. was there. That's um, really interesting because for me, it definitely shaped how I read the fic. Like one, like I think for me, because I had been thinking about that, um, and I also I I read this and I reread it um, before we talked about it, especially on the reread. Like you, when you know why Rai really wants. Cal and Alucard to get over their beef um, and it's so that he can marry Alucard and like have him be part of the family essentially without having problems like I think that really affected the way that I was reading it and I thought it was really interesting I can also totally see how you would miss it though because at no <laughs> point is Rai like uh I'm so nervous as he hovers a hand over his pocket <laughs> and looks around for Alucard like that's not woo, that's not like the thing that is happening <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I admittedly did not read that part of the author's note, so I wasn't <laughs> even thinking about it or not thinking about it. I just didn't know it existed. Um, so I was not anticipating a beach wedding at the end of this, but um, <laughs> I feel like the, Well, we know it's implied. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. Um, I feel like I did pick up on... I wasn't sure if there was going to be, like, a proposal or not, but I, I figured that a lot of the reason why Rai was trying to get Kel and Alucard to make amends or sort of get over some of their shit was because he wanted to sort of solidify Alucard's place. Um, I think early on he sort of... He, like, is arguing as to why he wants them to help him with this sort of opening of the ceremonies and this sort of ceremonial battle. Um, and... Lila, I think, is the one who's sort of like, well, they're not, like, yours, you know, meaning Kel and Alucard, and um, Rai is basically like, well, you know, Kel is a prince of this house, and Alucard is, and then he, like, doesn't quite have a name for him, so he calls him his champion, I think, which, Uh like, is really cute, but... (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, I think at that point, it really made me sort of read the whole fic thinking about Rai is someone who has solidified his place as king, um, who's sort of solidifying his kingdom up around him and, and the peace that was sort of brokered towards the end of the books um, and and wanting to make Alucard part of that. And and Alucard being sort of some of the only family that Rai has at this point. I mean, Kels is only like family family really here. Like, mm-hmm. even though they are adoptive brothers, they grew up together and I think very much hold that brother yeah. position for one another. But um Alucard's sort of the other person he's got, so I think I read a lot of this with that in mind. Uh, Yeah, but, like, there there is a lot in this fic, especially um, sort of in the first half, of Rai and Kel feeling kind of resentful of each other um, for sort of the same reason, but in different directions. Um, Kel felt very stifled back at the palace and and felt like everything that he was had been prescribed to him his whole life so he wanted to go out and like do things and he thought that if he came back Rai wouldn't let him leave um and at the same time you have Rai who did not think that Kel would be gone for so long that they would be so far away from each other for such a long time that Kel wouldn't want to come back um I have a whole note here about like the struggle of not wanting to have to ask. So at one point, Rai says, I could have commanded you back, uh, which is technically true. Rai is the king. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he didn't. And I think part of that is this idea of, like, does it really count if he comes back if I made him come back? Um, Does it actually prove anything about, like, the love that we have for each other? 
Um, and, and for me, it's really, really interesting because I think often that kind of a perspective doesn't actually work for me very well in fiction of this idea that like you're testing someone who doesn't necessarily know that they're being tested. I guess it doesn't work in real life for me either. Um, (laughs) Or like this concept of like mind reading that like you you're expecting someone to know how you're feeling and thinking and if they if they don't respond in the way that you want them to it's like a slight against you I think it's something that as I've gotten a little bit older and read more and written more it I'm more sensitive to it in fiction of just like seeing it um, but I also think that there is a complication in this fic which is that they are bonded so. Kel actually did have some understanding of how Rye was feeling. Kel actually could have made some very, very educated guesses about what his avoidance was actually doing to their relationship. Um, so they, they come back and then they do end up talking it through and, and working it out. But yeah, I always really appreciate it when an author of a fic is willing to take characters who like had some tensions and disagreements and introduce new ones potentially in fic. I think if we understand what that dynamic looks like and they're willing to push a little bit at it um, and, and strain that relationship a little bit in a way that allows you to see a different side of them, I think that is one of my favorite things to see in fic. So I really appreciated this author kind of went there um, without like they didn't have like a huge, horrible blow up fight, almost never spoke to each other again. But I think those years of kind of wondering and this slightly lingering, maybe unfair resentment from both sides, um, the way that that came together, I thought was really well done. Yeah. So one thing that's interesting about Kel and Rai as characters and about characters who have this sort of like bond is that um, they don't feel it as strongly and they don't feel each other's emotions as strongly the further they are away from each other. So in some ways, like... Regarding what Nick was saying about sort of Kel's guilt and like he could have sort of known more of what Rai was feeling, the distance also gives him an excuse to not know what Rai was feeling mm-hmm. um, or to sort of ignore it more um, because it comes through less often or uh, more distantly. Um, I thought that was like an interesting aspect of this too. Uh, he sort of, Kel also mentioned sort of in this reunion scene where him and Rai are sort of discussing why he didn't come back that like if he returned, he would be a he was afraid he wouldn't be able to make himself leave again. And I wondered if part of that was also like, he would have experienced his brother's emotions about being king and about him up close and personal again. And that would have been harder to take than, than the distance, which has sort of allowed like Kel some denial. Um, but I really liked that conversation between them. I thought it was really well done. Um, and there's a line I, I really liked where Rai basically admitted, like it was hard and I wanted you here. And Kel says, I know Cal could have apologized again, but it wouldn't have changed anything. An apology was not quite the same as a regret. And I thought that part was really good. I think it really gets at sort of like, at sort of like the heart of this all. And um, the, 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 wow, I can't speak. <laughs> the dynamic between, um, between Kel and Rai, but then also the dynamic between like Kel and Alucard and Kel's feelings about Alucard and Rai. Um, because one of the reasons like things were kind of fraught between all of them is that Alucard was also gone for for years so so one thing I super loved about this fic is Bren referenced earlier the sort of ceremonial duel that Kel and Alucard are asked to participate in um it is a sort of show of strength of the province uh, a show that Rai has these two people who are very powerful who will like fight for him that are not going to be participating in the actual tournament, but like, hey, we're still strong and badass, you know, Um, some showboating. And one thing that I loved was that when they were setting it up, um, the way Rai described it was that it was choreographed like a dance. 
And that was going to be how it was. And I think that was such a great mirror to some of the social play that's going on. Um, so they are at first really struggling to like even be willing to fight each other. Um, a big part of that reason is, well, there, there's a few reasons. One of them is that if Alucard like smacks Kel across the face, Rai will also feel it. So like, yeah, that's awkward. If you're like, ah, my boyfriend will feel every injury that I incur upon this man that he has asked me to fight. Like, ooh, not great. Um, another reason is that it does hurt Kel to use his magic. So he, during the books, was incredibly powerful, used magic very easily. It rarely taxed him very much. Um, but at the end of the books, in order to seal away Osaren, uh, who is kind of the main villain of the novels, uh, He's like a, a being of pure, horrible magic um, and is from um, Black London and then takes over White London as well. Um, Kel kind of goes in, seals him away, kind of ends everything. And the way in which he does that does require him to give up some of his magic. And he is sort of stained by that process. Um, so... Oh, you know. yeah, thank you. I, I had asked earlier, um, Nick and Brian, because they're like, mm -hmm. there were some lines from Kel's perspective about how much it hurt to had this thing that was oh, once so son. easy for him and like such a big part of who he was like it, it hurt him like emotionally that he was not able to do that as easily. And I was yeah. like, what's up with this? And Nick was like, eh. uh, I said he had to seal away Osara <laughs> and give up part of his magic. <laughs> I, I think what you said yesterday was closer to uh, and what you said just now is the answer this is a little bit on a different track but uh -huh. just thinking about the magic tournament something that i really liked about it apart from just like the scene itself as i said earlier we love a magical tournament i do like i really just like love magic stuff like that like the whole description of um alucard and kel like as they're i guess like practice like sparring mm -hmm. um the way in which like elemental magic was used was so cool um, but something I really liked was that, um, because, because like, as we've said, it's, it's, this is for like an opening ceremony, Rai's whole point is like, he wants to prove that like their kingdom is like powerful and has powerful magicians. Um, so Kel is like, okay, but who wins this ceremonial duel? Um, and I think it's Alucard who said like, isn't it obvious it's Rai? Like Rai always uh -huh. wins. Uh -huh. Um, and like Rai later like says the same thing. It's like, I win. Yeah. Um, the and author also I... answered that question in the comments. I don't oh. know if you saw. Well, I was going to say something that I really liked is that I didn't get an answer to <laughs> oh, it. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I'll well, tell because... Brenna only. Oh, okay. I mean, like you can tell me, but <laughs> in my reading of the fic, I guess something I really liked is that um, what Rai had been saying was like, oh, I want you guys to do this duel to prove that, you know, our kingdom is strong. But like the point actually was because he was using it as like the basis to get Alucard and Kel to get over their snippiness with one another. Yep. Um, and once that gets resolved, like, the fic fast-forwards a bit. Like, the tournament happens, and it's just done, and then yeah. you get um, Rai and the others traveling on, I guess it's Lila's boat at the end. Yeah, um, which technically is, it's the crown's ship. Like, that last scene of them all together is very good, but I what I really liked is, like, there, there was no need to extrapolate on mm. the um, tournament because, like, it had served its purpose. Um, like, you don't need to know how that, like, fight between the two of them ended. Now I sound like a fool. But uh, since you just are so passionate about what the author has said in the comments, please, Nick, enlighten me. You know, death of the author? Mm -hmm. Like the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring the author in. Yes. Opinion of the author. No, because... Life, life of the author. Life of the author. <laughs> God. 
um well i i always like reading the comments especially when the authors reply um a lot of people mostly were just like ah i love this ah right alucard ah you know how commenters get um but a couple of them were like wait who who won i have to know who won that's the most important question and you didn't tell me um i agree i don't think it was needed i think it was very fun to see what the author said though which was that um of course neither of them was ever going to win it was going to end in a draw so it's i think the the description the author gave was like it's all of this like flashing and lights and drama and then everything goes dark while they're both still standing and then it moves into the tournament. So I was like, okay, that, that is probably what I would have guessed. So I appreciated it. That sounds about right. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think one of the things that's so great about this fic is that um, instead of really like needing to have a like re- resolution to like the battle to work out Ryan Alucard's, nope, that's not the right people, to work out Kellen Alucard's shit. Um, they sort of have this argument after one of their one of their practices that I think really does that work, um, where they basically are both pulling their punches the whole time and won't, like, really fight each other, and Lila and Rai both kind of try and incite them to, and they just, like, keep doing it. Um, and they basically have an argument about that, and that sort of brings up a lot of their bitterness and resentment towards each other. And I think that's, like, the conversation... Like, that conversation is needed more than for one of them to win the the duel, actually. And I think that was just really well done. Um, and I like the points that that argument made, that like, what it would cost them to hurt each other. Um, but in, especially in regards to both of their relationships with Rai. Um, and what that looks like. And I thought it was just really well done. Um, and it sort of has them also talk about, like, that they both left and they both came back, but it was under different circumstances and some things were done by choice and some things weren't. Um, and that they resented each other for all of that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was good. Like, it was a conversation I think clearly needed to happen. It's sort of like the point of this fic in many ways. Even though, arguably, the point is for them to get engaged. But yeah, <laughs> they had to do this first. <laughs> I think why won't you hit me is is such a classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think one thing I really loved about the way that this fic ended too was that I think it reflected a lot of the values of the books, if that makes sense. Um, there is an emphasis on exploration and sort of the magic that just is in the world, um, that there are things that you haven't seen and that those things can change you for the better. Um at at one point, um, Kel is talking about how he might leave again, how he likely is going to leave again after this tournament. Um, and semi-impulsively, it seems like he says, come with me. Um, and instead of Rai, like, awkwardly turning him down and being like, I'm the king. Um, after a conversation he had with Lila about going on sort of a tour of his, like, I wasn't properties. <laughs> I was say province. Yeah, a tour of his province um, and like the different cities and and the people that he rules over. I guess. Um, after all of that, um, when Kel asks him to come with, Rai says, "Do you know what I was thinking that I might?" Um, which I loved. It felt so true to the books. Um, and I think even past that, the other thing that I loved was that there are a lot of characters in the books. Certainly. But I think our main characters and the characters we get POVs from, they feel so close to us as the reader and close to each other as people, even if they're not like the best of friends, the relationships are very strong and important. Um, And so I think ending this fic with both a promise to explore the world further and the strengthening of a core relationship just felt very, very right to me. And I really loved the way that it was executed. 
Wow, good conversation, everyone. Um, that was our little discussion of To Keep You Inside by Ergiad SLV, um, which is, you know, it's, it's a fic about magic and hitting people and not hitting people <laughs> and a proposal and an implied beach wedding. So I loved it. Um, read the books first, honestly. I mean, like, you can read this without it. But if you're going to read it, I really think having the books, like, helps. And also the books are very good. So it's a win-win for you. You're welcome. I'm excited to get back uh, in <laughs> a, a questionable number of episodes and say, hey, I finally read the series. And then I'll yeah. go back and reread this then. I would love that. <laughs> Ooh, okay, let's move on to the next fig. So my pick for this episode is Death of a Sparrow by Eye on the Sparrow. Um, it is, as I've said, for Griffin McElroy's Pokemon Y Nuzlocke Challenge um, from the point of view of his Pidgeot. And here's the thing. I feel like that sentence for a lot of you might just sound like... It makes me think, personally, of a meditation on death, on love, on ownership, on relationships. <laughs> Um, sorry, I can't stop laughing because I'm aware that that sentence just sounds absolutely like nonsense. I think regardless of if you have context or not, maybe context makes it sound even more whack. <laughs> um, okay, so just to break down a little bit um, of what I just said, there are two, I think, major things to know. Um, first is what is a Nuzlocke challenge? Um, a Nuzlocke is an unofficial set of rules that are designed to make the Pokemon games harder. Um, there are two absolute basic rules that have to be in place in order for it to be considered a Nuzlocke. The first is that you catch the first Pokemon that you encounter in a new area. Um, if they faint or run away or whatever, too bad. Oh, no. um, the other one is that if uh, a Pokemon of yours faints, they are considered dead and you can no longer use them. So you have to release them or keep them permanently in the PC. Um, there are some other rules that are like almost universally followed. Griffin follows some of them. Um, I'll get into some of the rules that Griffin follows um, as they are relevant. But one of the big ones is that it is heavily encouraged you nickname your Pokemon in order to like sort of uh, encourage like a personality and a bond. This is literally coming from like the Nuzlocke Wikipedia is like to encourage a bond with your Pokemon, you nickname them. Um, that's a big thing, um, and that's important for this fic because this fic takes place from the point of view of one of Griffin's Pokemon, which is a Pidgeot, and starts as a Pidgey, and then it becomes a Pidgeot, uh, and he named this, this Pokemon Ms. Beekman. So this fic is from Ms. Beekman's point of view. Um, <laughs> here's the thing, I keep laughing because, like, I'm aware that I just sound objectively whack. This fic goes so hard, y'all, like, this fic is really intense. You're and not you would ready. Not you are not ready. Before I get any further into this fic, um, any descriptions, um, I do need to give some content warnings. Um, so one of them is character death, uh, musings on death. This entire fic is amusing on death. Um, and graphic depictions of Pokemon violence. I don't have a better way of phrasing that. Um, I don't want to say it gets gory, but it is... Like maybe a little gory? Maybe a little, <laughs> yeah. Um, this fic is also 1.2k. So get, get get ready. It's a wild ride. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so kind of having explained what a Nuzlocke challenge is, this in particular, Griffin McElroy, who worked for Polygon at the time, did a 20-video YouTube series where he plays Pokemon Y um, doing this Nuzlocke challenge. And 
the first Pokemon that he catches, like excluding the starter that you're given, uh, the first Pokemon he catches is Miss Beekman. Um, he catches her in episode one. Um, and spoilers for this fic and also for Griffin's Nuzlocke run, uh, sad pew pew pews, oh. Miss Beekman dies. Pew pew pew. Yeah. So Miss Beekman, Miss Beekman dies in episode 17. It was genuinely upsetting when I watched the series. Um, because, as I've said before, like the point of Nuzlocke is to get attached to the characters. And while Griffin is goofing the whole time, like there is a narrative there. It's like, you want to see it all the way through to the end. Um, so this fic is structured. Um, it has headers of numbers, and the numbers do relate to the episodes. So what happens in each section uh, parallels that. Um... I, boy, howdy. How do I even begin to explain this? Uh, I started taking notes on this, and the first thing I wrote is that um, every fucking line in this fic slaps, because it does. Um, it was just so much heavier and more intense than I ever could have fathomed it uh, to be when I had first seen the fandom. Uh, the writing is impeccable. Um, it really just sort of like had me reeling over and over again. Um, I also, hey, I did my favorite thing to do, research. Um, I, I did some research. I had watched Griffin's Nuzlocke a while ago. Um, I had not rewatched it at all when I read this fic for the first time or when I did a reread initially um, for this pod, but I did decide to go back and just sort of see how much of the fic correlated to the series itself. Um, the answer is more than I even realized in a way that I thought was like really cleverly done. Um, yeah. Th this fic just had me reeling is really what I have to say about it. Um, but before I get into not only this fic, but also Nuzlocke's, because spoilers, y'all, I, I have a lot to say about Nuzlocke's. <laughs> I had kind of forgotten how much of my internet life it had consumed for a while until I was digging into this fic. But um, before I really go on some wild tangents, as I'm expecting I will, I'd like to hear about <laughs> your reading experiences. Well, okay, unlike Reed who is a pro gamer i was gonna say irredeemably a massive nerd uh, yeah I, mean, uh, I guess that's another way to say it i i took the jock approach to this oh, fic, uh -huh. which is i've never played a pokemon game so even you saying like when they faint i'm like they faint like i guess um i i think i did technically watch maybe a few episodes of the show i remember like some names of pokemon uh it really wasn't ever a thing for me um and so that's that's one of my i would say fanish weak spots <laughs> that i feel like everyone just assumes you know things about pokemon and i'm like oh pikachu i guess <laughs> um <laughs> so i had no idea what i was getting into i had not seen griffin's nuzlocke run i had the thought wouldn't it be hilarious if i looked at nothing and just went in on this i read it without knowing almost anything about anything. I had gotten very vague ideas of what a Nuzlocke run was from Reed, which was like, if they die, they die. That was basically my understanding of it. And I just went in on it. I was like, let's go. What is up? Um, definitely had forgotten that Ms. Beekman was named Ms. Beekman mm -hmm. until I got to the comment section. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> this fic has absolutely no business being as hardcore as it is, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, I on the Sparrow is an author that I had read from before in another fandom and, like, loved, so this does not surprise me. Um, but, yeah, the prose is impeccably tight. Every single section is short, economical, concise. 
has a knife. Devastating. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I mean, there there were so many lines that I had to stop and just be like, what? Because it's wonderful. Um, if you have seen Griffin's Nuzlocke run, I now want to watch it. I have not. Um, I'm sure this would be absolutely spectacular. I'm going to tell you now, if you have not seen Griffin's Nuzlocke run, it is still spectacular. Honestly, if you have even the faintest idea that it's from the Pokemon's POV, <laughs> it's it's absolutely stellar. Um, yeah, I think I sit sort of between both of you. Like, I... Um, have played some Pokemon, and I did watch all of Griffin's Nuzlocke run, but that is also I, the only experience with, like, Nuzlocke runs that I've ever had. I did not know that they existed before then, and I have never looked for anything related to them since. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, like, you do get invested in the series, I think, like, the, the video series as you watch it, and you get invested in, in these Pokemon, because... There just aren't that many of them, and, and Griffin sort of takes you on this journey with with him, the little garbage boy, and all of his Pokemon. That's his name. His nickname, <laughs> he, he you can give yourself a nickname in Pokemon Y, and he gives himself the nickname Garbage Boy. I'm not, I'm not just categorizing Griffin McElroy as a garbage boy. He, he did it to himself. <laughs> Um, but like you, like it's it's a very fun and funny series. Like Griffin is very entertaining throughout it. Um, so even though you do get like a, sort of attached to these characters and their deaths, like are kind of sad. Um, it's also still like pretty lighthearted throughout, and like the little sort of like in memoriam like tributes in the video are like I don't know, obviously designed to both like be a little sentimental, but also like to keep the spirit of things up. But anyway, Miss Beekman is definitely one of the one of the Pokemon that is around for the longest. Um, and so her leaving you in episode 17 is unexpected and sad because she made it so far and you want her to make it till the end. But like, I guess when Reed kept saying, oh, I have this fic that's about Griffin's Nuzlocke run from the perspective of Miss Beekman, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, I expected it to have a sad ending because I knew it happened. But I also sort of expected it to be more in in the spirit of like... Pokemon is an adventure game for kids, and it will be a cute adventure story about a pid- Pidgeot and and its friend. But it wasn't that at all. It was so sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I it's it's throughout reading this fic and then sort of rereading this fic. It's only like one k, and then discussing this fic yesterday with Nick and Reed. Like, I do keep laughing because. It's just sort of this, like, cognitive dissonance between, like, what watching the show was like and what the experience of, like, playing Pokemon is like. And then the experience of reading this, like, really hard-hitting fic that has, like, intense thoughts about life and death. Like, they shouldn't line up. And I guess it is kind of, like, what is so great about this fic and, like, what is kind of so great about fanfiction. But, like, Mm -hmm. I did keep laughing because it's just objectively it's hard for me to like wrap my head around how these are all about the same thing (laughs) so as i had said before like i read this fic i was absolutely like blown away by it but i do think that of the three of us um i am the least surprised at the way that this fic went in part because as i alluded to 
I have some fandom history with the Nuzlocke community. Are they a community? <laughs> like, yeah, I guess. Okay, so here's the thing. You tell us. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> okay, you, you know how Bretta has like, Bretta's Drury Corner, which is a very normal mm-hmm. thing to have a corner of the internet. I've decided my corner is, um, <laughs> reads niche internet, like reads niche video game uh-huh, uh-huh. corner. Um, which encapsulates the fix that I have brought and will continue to bring. And also, I guess, this weird internet lore. (laughs) So the way that Nuzlocke's originated was back in 2010, this guy created the rules for himself because he's like, I like replaying Pokemon, but it's kind of boring because it can be very easy. So he created these rules for himself. So this guy made this comic and it really started gaining traction. And um, a lot of other folks were like, oh, this would be fun. I want to do this too. Um... As I sort of said, like, there were very rapidly, there were sort of uh, fandom adopted rules that became basically universal, such as, like, the nicknaming, um, a few other rules that are not super important. Um, but my first my first interaction with Nuzlocke was not, like, any sort of video series or whatever. It was these comics that people were doing, um, many of which were super, super, super intricate, like, hundreds of pages long, um, taking place across the course of months, years, um, and some of them were more lighthearted and pretty much just followed the course of the, um, games. And some of them did what this fic did and, like, really deviated. Uh, not all of them went as, like, uh, grim as this fic did, but some of them do because, like I said, like, the the central, like, concept of a Nuzlocke is if your Pokemon dies, it dies. And some of them take that death, uh, as seriously as this fic does. Like, I remember there's one, um, like... In the original Pokemon games, uh, your rival is Gary Oak, and you encounter him at like Lavender Town, where Pokemon are put to rest. There's a tower that is basically a graveyard of uh, a graveyard for Pokemon, um, and you encounter Gary there. And the team that he has before you meet him at Lavender Town and the team that he has after are different. It's never it never says anything in game. It doesn't matter. Pokemon does not put any emphasis on this. I saw a whole lot of Nuzlocke comics where it's like you as the player character killed one of Gary's Pokemon. And the reason you encounter him in Lavender Town is because he's putting his Pokemon to rest. Like stuff like that. Whoa. Um, so I spent like many years like following these comics, um, which again, like some of them just had the most intricate plots and lore. And so I had kind of honestly forgotten about that. Like, uh, like I said, Nuzlocke's the Nuzlocke concept first happened in 2010, and I think I started following comics honestly around the same time, um, or like 2011 maybe. So I had sort of forgotten about this entire bit of my internet history um, until I read this fic, and then also I started digging into it. Um, so that was that was I don't know that was like it was interesting for me to like remember the ways in which fans will extrapolate on canon and i think this is a concept we've talked about a lot on the pod um for a number of different things for some of the rtah fix for some of the crit roll fix um about where the intersection of canon and fanon and meta um can leave a fan and like what they choose to do with it um i think this fic is a really good example of it but it also was fun for me to see it in a whole new way i don't know Oosh, yeah i mean i personally very much love any content that takes something that is not meant to be serious seriously (laughs) i think there is so much to kind of learn and gain from content like that i just think this fic does a really good job of finding kind of the heart of a story that is told in a very different way um i feel like god i cannot remember when we 
did or did not talk about this. No, this is in my PowerPoint about Brian David Gilbert's uh, hit miniseries <laughs> oh on YouTube, Dance is Moving. Okay, okay, this is sort of semi-relevant. We did talk about that in the pod once, though. Maybe. I'm going to talk about comedy being a style and not a genre, though, and I don't know that I've gotten into that. <laughs> and if you have, go for it again. <laughs> Great. Hey, I took a class on comedy in college for some reason. I don't really know why. It was technically an English class. Um, and the first thing I learned was that no one actually has a solid definition of comedy or why things are funny, and the more you try to explain it, the less funny they become, so that was a good time. Uh, finding content that was funny upon first listening and then writing a paper about it, and then it was not funny anymore. Um, but the second thing that I learned was that comedy is typically considered a style and not a genre. Um, and I think that, for me, has really changed the way that I look at media and at fan work specifically. Um, because these two pieces of content, Griffin's Nuzlocke Run and the fic that we're talking about now, they are telling a very similar story. I don't know that I would consider them the exact same genre, um, but they are telling the story in very, very different styles. Um, and so I love the idea that you can take something that is comedic in style and still dig down into the heart of it and pull out something else, something different. Um, and something that kind of touches people in a different way. Something that I mentioned earlier is that I think this fic does a phenomenal job of bringing in stuff that actually happens in the episodes um, and, like, translating it. Um, and something that I did not realize upon the first read is that in section 17, which is related to episode 17, where Miss Beekman dies. Spoilers. Uh, spoilers. We've already said it, though. <laughs> um, there's a line that reads, there is an end. The whole point is that there is an end. There is a bridge that he will cross and you will not. You lived because he called you into being and because you answered him. And I was like, wow, what a metaphor. Um, hey, as it turns out, the title of episode 17 is The Bridge, and it's because the battle in which Miss, Miss Beekman dies takes place on a bridge. So it's just little details like that that like blew me away. I think Ion the Sparrow technically does owe me for emotional damages, <laughs> but also you do as well, because I didn't know that until you told me. I was fine. I was like, wow, a beautiful metaphor. And then you were like, it's called the bridge. And I was like, <laughs> read. I mean, I think, yeah, like this fic pulls out so many little things that you wouldn't necessarily think to contemplate necessarily, because I think... I think the idea that this is amusing on sort of death and finality because the point of a Nuzlocke run is to sort of bring that into a world where it doesn't exist for Pokemon as much, um, that like makes sense. But it brings in other things as well that I thought I didn't expect it to be contemplating really. And I think one of those is like the act of naming something and what it means to like give something a name. So obviously this correlates to like Griffin naming her Miss Beekman. Um <laughs> But the way it's told in this fic is so intense. Um, and some of the lines about like it. So the fic reads, Dark things curl in the shadows all around you, but he is bright. He rests his hands on his knees and watches you. What should I name you? He asks. What's a fun name to give a bird? To name a thing before you know it, and to think that gives you ownership over it. That is an act of ignorance. <laughs> Get him, Miss Beekman. <laughs> And then, it, and then it goes on, too, you know? Like, that's not the only sort of time that it does this. Um, well, like, it follows with, to give a name to the unknown is an act of ignorance, but to answer to that name, that is an act of love. <laughs> what a wild thing to say about oh, Jesus Christ, Ion the Sparrow! <laughs> sorry, I'm just shouting, but, like, God! <laughs> I'm not sorry. 
<laughs> it's intense. And then, and then instead of in chapter two, section two, episode two, whatever, um, it, it's this musing on like greatness. Um, and again, it pulls, it pulls lines directly from what Griffin says in, in the show or in the video series. But it's like, he says, with clear eyes and a lifted face, I want to be great, as if greatness were not built by breaking others, not a thing marked out with scorched earth and spilled blood. Quote, I want to be the greatest that ever was. You say, greatness is defined by striving, and what is greatness without sacrifice? Like, <laughs> hello? <laughs> oh, I guess also second person POV Pidgeot. Yes. <laughs> um, which also, like, it's, again, it's sort of... One of the things I kept kind of laughing about is when it brings in these lines from Griffin that I just mm-hmm. can't help but hear in, in Griffin's little Griffin voice. And then, mm-hmm. like, they're like, I want want to be the greatest that ever was. Like, it's basically, like, the Pokemon theme yeah. song and stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure he, like, sings that at times. So, like, to hear that play in my head compared to, like, the internal monologue of Mrs. Beekman's, like, very serious, intense thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a wild experience to read it and like to reread it because I keep having this like wow like what the hell at the lines but then also like laughing at the combination of them in my head there's a bit just thinking about like Griffin sort of the way he reacts and the way it's brought into this fic um so one of the extra rules that Griffin gives himself is that after he beats a Pokemon gym, he has to wonder trade away one of the Pokemon on his team, which basically wonder trading is just like you put a Pokemon up and like someone randomly across the globe who also has like put a Pokemon up into the wonder trade database, like you swap with them. It's a completely blind trade. Um, in episode, I think it's four. In episode four, he has a Pokemon called a Wingle. Its name is Seabreeze. It dies. It's very oh, sad. Oh, Seabreeze. You are my favorite one. Seabreeze. Oh, no. So Seabreeze dies, and that's so upsetting. And then oh. in episode seven, Griffin beats a gym. He goes, he wonder trades one of his Pokemon, and what he gets in return is the evolved version of Seabreeze. Um which is a Pelipper, and he, like, Griffin is losing it in game. He's like, Seabreeze, like, you've come back to me. It's like this big, like, joyous moment. In the fic, not so much. Um, The section reads, You think he has learned about the finality of things, that when you are scraped open, it is your real heart showing, that the blood and the muscle and the gristle are all you have and all you will ever have to offer, that when they are gone, they are gone. You think he understands, but when he sees a white bird, he makes up a story to dismiss the finality of death. You could hate him. You cannot understand... What? Uh, what? Can I also, just in the spirit of, I guess, just continuing to read things from this fic, I want to point out the summary in the epigraph. Um, so the author's notes at the end uh, say, summary is the opening line of Death of a Salesman, and the epigraph is from The Art of War. Listen, uh-huh. I know, I know, but you can click off this link. I have to live with me 24-7. I on the spare, I wish I had your brain. Like, I <laughs> wish I was galaxy-brained enough to come up with a concept like this and execute it as beautifully as you did. Um, but I would like to read the summary in the epigraph. So the summary is, a melody is heard, played upon a flute. It is small and fine, telling of grass and trees in the horizon. The curtain rises. And then the opening epigraph is, let your plans be dark and impenetrable as night, and when you move, fall like a thunderbolt. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah! I wish yeah. you could see it. Oh, the faces that all of us have made over the course of this conversation as we are just o- over and over again in awe of Eye on the Sparrow and what you've done here. No, but one of the things I think is so interesting about this fic too is sort of like the, the meta of it. Um, 
And I think we've talked about this before with a couple of other fics, and I'm I'm thinking specifically about the RTH like Minecraft one mm. that we talked about a while ago. And I know we had a discussion of sort of video games and meta and fic. Um, but in this one, I was thinking about this in particular with section seven, where in game Seabreeze returns, and in this, um, Miss Beekman is is lecturing Griffin on the finality of things. Because I think it's really interesting to think about what you can pull like. Like as a like not even just as a viewer watching Griffin play this game, but as someone who like plays Pokemon or like anyone who's ever played Pokemon, like it is a video game that you can restart and replay, and in no way is it final. Like there is nothing about it that exists suggests finality. And in fact, since it's the kids' game, like like even the sort of momentary finality of things really isn't. Like it's all pretty. You can always heal a Pokemon. Like, you can always, like, sort of go back and restart if you want as well. Um, and I think that compared to sort of taking this look from, like, inside the game where you don't know the sort of workings of this world that you exist in, I think is really interesting. I think it's one of the things that makes this fic work so well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, when we were talking about what's mine is yours and what's yours is gone and also read help help me out here the name of your zelda fic oh uh-oh oh oh yeah Oops. um Fuck. was it just called wild yeah it is wild by oh, unpretty by unpretty yeah yes uh-huh. <laughs> yes it. squad uh yeah with both of those fics we talked a little bit about like the separation of the experience of playing a game and then like what the video game character is experiencing mm-hmm. and i was thinking specifically about like I feel like we had we had some discussion of like Link going around like picking up apples and stuff when like the world is burning. Yeah, because <laughs> the, the player is just like do like the Link in my Breath of the Wild game, y'all. I do not think he is very impressed with my cowardice, but <laughs> oh god, it's okay, it's okay. Um, he's been in the Yiga Clan fort for like a million years because I can't get out and I'm too scared to <laughs> keep going. <laughs> but. I think, like, yeah, especially with this game where Griffin is very much controlling what Garbage Boy is doing, um, less so with the Pokemon are doing. Like, yes, but I think there this fic allows for so much more separate space of, like, what these Pokemon were doing before Griffin arrived. Um, I really appreciated the the kind of slight against a Griffin, as many of these lines are. I don't know, I think it is really interesting that, like, when you're writing about video games, very, very specifically, there is this element of, like, how much of the character is the player? Mm -hmm. And how do you differentiate those things? And how do you kind of reconcile them? If you've played the game yourself, if you've watched someone else play the game, how much is that impacting the way that you're writing this character? Well, and that in this fic... It's the POV of an NPC. Like yeah. in the other ones, we had the POV of player characters, and right. it's this is not from Garbage Boy's perspective. No, <laughs> um, so I think it's also like controlled yeah. a little bit by Griffin. Yeah, I mean later. that's definitely true. I think I think it's just like an interesting sort of one step further from maybe like the musings on Link or something like that. Mm-hmm. How much agency does Miss Beekman truly mm-hmm. have? Because when I'm reading this, I'm thinking. Her love language is acts of service. <laughs> so. Her love language is like acts of war. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, she's asked to do something. She does it not because she has to and is made to by Griffin the player 
but because she has, for whatever reason, decided, this is my garbage boy. <laughs> well, well, on that note, um, boy, <laughs> Death of a Sparrow is a perfect, <laughs> brutal, <laughs> um, unreal fic. Uh, just Eye on the Sparrow, once again, your brain is brilliant. I respect you so deeply. Thank you for gifting us with this fic. Yeah. Oh, shout out to Carbon Copies who made a pod fic of this as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Listen to it if you're interested. I have not yet, but I'm really excited to. I did listen to it. It was very oh, it was good. really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um shout out to both of them. Um Yes. yes wow. <laughs> I don't even know how to wrap up a fic like this, especially uh knowing that my words will never be as brilliant as I on the Sparrows. Just read um, the last line. Just read the last line? Yeah. Okay. He has moved on. He has already crossed. <laughs> and now okay, we on. move on to our next <laughs> Perfect. On to the next one. Um, Alright, so my pick for this episode is With My Feet Towards the Stars, Let Me Remember You As You Were When You Existed by Carrier. It is a Star Trek reboot fic, um, so it happens sort of with the characters that we know from the 2009 movie onwards. Um, Basically, the premise of this fic is that the crew of the Starship Enterprise um, encounter an unknown phenomenon during their travels through uncharted space. Um, It's something that they end up calling fireflies, um, and they don't think that much of it. It sort of causes the Enterprise to, like, stall out for a moment, but they can't figure out any reason, so they just keep going on. Um, But unknown to everyone else, um, except Spock, the Enterprise begins to gain sentience. Um, as she does, Spock sort of begins to pick up on, like, first emotions and dreams from the other crew members, um, these being the things that she sort of learns first and, like, how she learns um, and the things that she can show him. Uh, eventually, she's able to communicate, like, more fully with him um, and, like, in sort of full sentences and thoughts and emotions. Um, it's really cool. I really like this fic. I... I wanted to bring a Star Trek fic for a long time and haven't been able to, like, pick one. And then Reed and I and, like, one of our other friends rewatched the reboot series recently and then I became very determined to pick one. Um, <laughs> there are a few content warnings for this fic that you should know before we get into the conversation of it and, like, if you want to go read it yourself. Um, the first big one being character death. Um, there are some minor characters who pass away during away missions. And big spoiler horns for this fic... Like, pew, 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 if you want to read it, stop listening. The Enterprise, as a sentient being, also dies. Um, there's also some kind of gross injury stuff uh, on these same away missions. There are also mentions of forced prostitution. So I don't want to say, like, it's as intense as those content warnings make it sound, but, like, it doesn't pull its punches, especially regarding the dangers that people face and, like, I mean, it's sort of like a joke about Star Trek at this point, but, like, side characters do regularly die in, like, original series and stuff on missions. So, um, I think it's sort of, it's kind of more, like, you know, true to canon in that way. I don't think it's over-exaggerated, but I think those are things that you would want to be aware of, um, both for our conversation and reading the fic. 
Okay. Um, yeah, so I really love this fic. Uh, like I said, I had really wanted to be- bring a Star Trek fic. Um, I was also really excited to bring something from Spock's POV. Um, I think he can be a difficult character to write. I mean, I would imagine so, but also just like having read a lot of fic, um, it, it kind of seems that way. Um, and I think this fic does him a lot of justice. I think it works really well. And I also love that it's a meditation on like his relationship with the Enterprise as well, because I think a lot of times um, when a fic sort of anthropomorphizes the Enterprise, it's because it's like Kirk or like Scotty talking about her and like how much they like love her as a ship or whatever. Um, but that's generally like not the approach we see from Spock. Um, it, it, it would not be logical of him <laughs> to treat um, an inanimate object like a living thing, but here he is confronted with the fact that he must. Um, I really, really like this, but I'm really curious to hear what you two have to say. Also, like, wow, a fandom that we all understand the source material for! Wow. Yay! <laughs> this never happened. I have seen these films. Yeah, Bren, after um, we had done the rewatch of the series, I was like, Brenna, please, I really, really want to talk about a Star Trek fic on the pod, but I was like, I in no way feel equipped to be the one to bring it. Um, so I was very, very excited when you found something um, that you liked. Um, I I don't know. I was so surprised by it being Spock's POV. I guess I just would have assumed that in like a Spock Kirk fic, I feel like yeah, my assumption would have been like, oh, fandom would gravitate towards Kirk. And like immediately I was like, this is so, so fun to be in Spock's head. Because um, it's like from the very beginning, it's like he's, you know, like calculating the probability of such and such thing is 86.65%. I was like, oh, like, I just like, I loved it. Like I immediately was like, okay, I'm so immersed like in his POV. Um, the premise of this was so fun too. Like putting together the details of what was happening were really fun. Like I'm looking back at my own like progression of notes where I'm like, is like, I was like, well, I was like, I know that Spock can like mind meld, but like, is this whole like reading thoughts thing like such a big deal? And then I was like, is he seeing Kirk's memories? And then I was like, there's something on the ship. And then my next note is there's something in the ship. It's the <laughs> ship. It's living. Like, um, so like that discovery for me was so fun. Um, and even once I had sort of realized what was going on, like, even once I realized that, like, the Fireflies had sort of made the Enterprise sentient, I still, like, wasn't expecting, like, her, like, the consciousness of the Enterprise to be as prominent as she was. Like, she and Spock end up having, like, whole conversations. Um, and that was really cool, too, that even once, even once I, like, thought I had sort of, like, figured out the, like, quote-unquote twist, that there was, like, still more to it, um, that there was, like, still more unexpected things to come. Um, so that I like, yeah, I don't know. I like really liked, it was fun. I'm, I feel like this was, um, a really good, like first Star Trek fic to bring to the pod. Uh, like it feels like it like slides really well into canon. Um, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. Yeah. This was a situation in which not reading any of the tags or summary really burned me. I think I like had looked at them and then I did that thing where I scroll down to like the first paragraph and then I leave the AO3 tab there for a while. And then when I come back, I'm like, ah, I need to read this. Woo boy. Howdy. Yeah. I mean, it took me a way too long to figure out that this was the enterprise. I like really was not sure what was going on with all of that business. <laughs> like almost embarrassingly long, but that's okay. Um, I loved it by the time I got there. Um, again, was not expecting her to die. I was like, oh my God, y'all bringing your major character death fix out here. I was just <laughs> not expecting it. Who do we think we are? You? I know, I know, right? I brought my little like 
post-canon, like, relationships, proposal. Woo! Anyway, I really love this fic. It made me cry. That's fine. We don't need to dwell on it. Um, oh, yeah, I think, like, something that I really like about Star Trek as a canon, and mind you, I really only have seen the reboot movies and read Switch, uh, which is <laughs> such a long fic, I feel like that counts as another <laughs> material or, like, text that I can have. Uh, but yeah, so, like, I, I only have a... I would say maybe like a non-fanish understanding of Star Trek and that like I'm familiar with it, but I haven't like been in the fandom necessarily. Um, I also always forget that the first movie came out in 2009 because I always imagine that it came out when I met you, Brenna. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like one of the first times we hung out was we went to wow. see, was it the third movie? Yeah. The, yeah. Wow. Anyway, that's what I, the, they started existing for me when I met you. So <laughs> after 2009. <laughs> that's kind of incredible. I love that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I think something that I love so much about that canon is that, like, I don't know, and, like, our, I, I have friends who can explain this much better, Brenna's one of them, um, but about kind of the optimism of, like, exploring the universe and, like, having things in common with people who are different from you and, like, humanity, like, reaching out into the far reaches of everywhere. Like, I think this fic did a really lovely job bringing that to the forefront of, like, what does it mean for something to be alive? What does it mean for something to love? What does it mean for something to be understood? How are those things different from each other and how are they the same? I just thought it was really, really beautiful. The Spock POV was great. So good. Um, like, some parts of it were more, I think, like, ah, yes, classic. This is definitely Spock. Um, and some of it, I think, brought new aspects of the character forward for me. Like, I mean, in the movies, we obviously see him struggling with being half Vulcan, half human. Um, and then there's the whole thing, like, his mom dies and his planet is lost. It's a bummer. Um, <laughs> yeah. It is. It is a bummer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I had never explored any other really fan content that looked at that, um, from his perspective or even outside of his perspective. So I really appreciated getting the chance to delve into that, um, in a, this specific execution that I thought was great, um, that I thought made me really sad at points that I think like showed him struggling to find the balance between logic and emotion and where those things could overlap. And I just thought it was really great. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked it. I think... I don't want to say more than I was expecting to because I was expecting to like it, but also having completely forgotten the premise by the time I was reading the fic, I was like, oh, wow. Oh, my God. I mean, in your defense, too, like, I didn't really tell you what it was about. I just no. said, here's sort of, like, the vibe of it. And, yeah. like, the summary is quite short um, and the tags are not extensive. So you wouldn't really know that the Enterprise becomes sentient because of it. And huh. thus you would also not know that she, again, spoiler horns, boop a da boop um, that she dies. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, it is a fic that sort of takes you on this journey without you really knowing what you're on board for. But I, love I don't that. know, like, sometimes uh, I... Stru- <laughs> 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 sometimes that's something I struggle with, with fic, but in this case, I really liked it. Um... And I had read this a number of years ago. It was actually in my bookmarks when I came back to it, but I had completely forgotten what it was about. Um, other than I remembered like Spock sort of having dreams that weren't his. Mm. But I was like, okay, like let's reread this. I guess I liked it at one point. 
<laughs> and I was like really delighted with it again. Um, Reed, I thought what you were saying was interesting about like you would have expected most fics to be like Kirk POV. I think there is a lot of Kirk POV fic, but there is a lot of Spock too. And I think one of the things people or like fans really enjoy digging into with the Spock POV is his sort of struggle between logic and emotion between like the Vulcan and the human sides. For anyone out there who like doesn't know (laughs) Spock, (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you've like heard of Spock. I think he's pretty hard to miss if you've ever been in fandom. Like Star Trek is kind of just there. (laughs) I think he's hard to miss. (laughs) But if you, if all of you've ever heard is like, oh, Spock, that's one of the guys from Star Trek. To understand a little bit more, he is half human and half this alien race Vulcan. Um, they are humanoids, they live on a desert planet, and they are their society is guided by logic. Um, they denounce emotion, and most of them even go through a process called colonar to completely purge themselves of emotion in favor of logic. Spock That's is maybe, what is that? <laughs> what? It's this it's like a Vulcan spiritual process. I don't process. like that at all. It's, Spock does not undergo colonar. Um, I think that makes sense. I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that he did. <laughs> but it is something that some fics like delve into. Um, ah. But I do think a lot of fics like to play with that, with the tension that Spock faces. And it's something that canon delves into as well. I think both for original series Spock and for reboot Spock. Um, but I, I really liked how this fic did it. And I think one of the reasons I liked it so much is because oftentimes we see sort of that that tension and Spock's, like, desire to be either more or less human or to understand his humanity better comes from his relationship with Kirk, whatever it may be. Um, but this time, it's really largely because of his relationship with the Enterprise as she gains sentience. Um, and I just thought that was, like, such a lovely twist. And I kind of... Or not kind of, I just, like, really enjoyed um, how they they sort of learn together without even realizing it for a long time. Um, Spockley doesn't really know what's happening as he's experiencing these sort of, like, memories and dreams and emotions, both from other crew members and from the Enterprise herself, as she sort of begins to be able to feel her own feelings. Um, and I just, I really like the, the progression of that. Um... And I think there's like a big element of sort of discovery and wonder in this fic. And I think, I think that's something that like Star Trek as a series in general holds dear. Like there's, there's obviously problems with Star Trek, but I think overall it's a, it is a very optimistic series. And, and one of the things it like, one of its like guiding principles, I think is this, is the sense of like discovery and growth. And I think that's something that that is key to this fic. Um, I also there's a scene I really like early on where Spock basically finds out that there's a garden on the Enterprise, and yeah. the first garden he finds is the garden that the crew put there. It exists. He just didn't know about it. And it says the ship has a garden. Spock discovers. Discovery is the only word for it. And I think this really like sets up how he progresses through the rest of this fic as he discovers things about himself and about the Enterprise and the things that she shows him and gives him. She grows him a garden later, too. And it's just... Oh, it's so good. Wow. I I mean, I am someone who loves, like, AI and space and science Uh fiction. And it should be no wonder that, like, I would love the Enterprise as a character. But, like, I love her so much in this fic. It's... Wow. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot more to say, but I don't want to like it, this to be Brenna's sci-fi corner. 
It's fine. I'm I'm entering the corner. Okay, good. Um, Come on over. What am I? Thank you. Are there snacks? Yeah. Hell yeah. No, you what, know wait, I love a snacks? snack. Um, the Trader Joe's off-brand Chex Mix. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm sold. Sponsor and, us. And Pumple Moose LaCroix. <laughs> I'm sorry. Those are the things I actually have. Nice. Great. Perfect. I'm in. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite moments and lines literally in this entire fic is toward the end when Spock tries to describe what the Enterprise was like and like struggles, but he he lands on this kind of like or the the experience of knowing her, he lands on this kind of childlike sense of discovery, how you don't necessarily have all of the words yourself, so you have to put them together. Um, and make something new, how there are no boundaries on what can or cannot be possible, or how you can or cannot be, exist, grow. I just thought that was so beautiful. And like that, when he's when he's saying that and thinking about it, um, it's in retrospect. So that's after the Enterprise has died. So I cried a little bit more at that part too, and it's fine. I didn't think she was going to die, and then she did, and then it went back, and it was like, ah, there is a world in which she does not die, actually, and he manages to save her, but, like, 47 other people die. And I'm fine about it. I feel very (laughs) calm and casual and collected. (sighs) It's really sad. Um, There's a bit – so there's sort of a through line throughout the fic. Uh, Spock reflects a lot on his relationship with his mother and sort of things that she said to him, and one of the things is that – um, when he's still in a relationship with Uhura where she's like, oh, I'm glad you have someone who knows you and who you can know. Um, and like, she's like, I'm glad you like have that kind of love. Um, and much later when, um, Spock is telling Kirk about the ship, uh, they're, so they're having a conversation. Kirk goes, he says, she loved you. And Spock says, no, she loved you. Me, she knew. She knew me. And Jim's smile is brilliant, a radiance cast into the blackness of space as he says, aren't they the same thing? Which- Calm down, Jim. (laughs) (laughs) Jim, please. Um, Jim, we're struggling. What a a good line in and of itself, but also like the fact that it parallels this this thing Uh that Spock keeps turning over and over and over in his head, this thing that his mother had said to him about like knowing someone and being known and the kind of love that that is, like- Spock did have that with the Enterprise of of deeply knowing each other. Um, and just for, for sort of for like Kirk to be the one who like brings that back around, I just thought was so lovely and so well done. Yeah, I think like that was definitely one of my favorite things about this fic. And I I love the conversations Spock has earlier on or like remembers earlier on with his mother as well. Um I think there's a line that's like, years ago, his mother implied that love is not a feeling so much as the gift of knowing another and the trust to allow oneself to be known by that person. And it's so good. <laughs> and I agree, like, it, like bringing it full circle at the end is, I think, what, what like, sort of makes it impactful. But I love how that sort of affects both his relationship with Kirk, because, like, this is a spot Kirk fic, even though... Most of the shit I'm talking about is Spock with the yeah. Enterprise. I feel like that is the central defining relationship of this fic. Um, but also, like, it it also defines his relationship with the Enterprise. Um, and 
Yeah, I, there's also another line from his like memories of his mother where she says, while it may be a Vulcan instinct, the meld and even a bond are simply tools in order to know and be known. The bond may create love or may be created because of love, but it is not itself love. And I think that part is so good too, because that like, it definitely applies to like his relationship with Kirk and like various like mind melds that they have performed. But it also applies to his relationship with the Enterprise because it basically is this mind meld that they have together. Um, And a lot of their conversations, like, yeah, I I think there is this sort of, like, duality between, like, Spock having this relationship with the Enterprise where it's, it's this deep knowing and Kirk having this relationship with the Enterprise where he doesn't even... He doesn't, he can't know her in the same way, but they love each other. And I, it's just good. It's good. And I'm <sighs> overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> the way that the Enterprise loves Kirk is like so pure and good. Like, oh God, I don't know. Get you a man that looks at you like the Enterprise <laughs> looks at Kirk. I mean, honestly. <laughs> Oh, I mean, like, and Spock, too, does, like, all of this musings. Or, like, he gets, like, annoyed at the Enterprise at one point where he's basically, like, stop foisting your love of Jim Kirk onto mm-hmm. me. Like, I don't want to have these feelings. And the Enterprise is like, I did not put anything in you. Like, that was already there. You're just, like, becoming more aware of it. But I don't know, like, it's just, like, like you get through Spock, like, through his, like, impressions from the Enterprise and just a few other, like, lines about how the ship behaves. Like, you get this sense of this overwhelming love that she holds for Kirk that is just very good. Um, Yeah, I think one other thing that I was thinking about um, as I was reading, it is interesting to know the source content but not really have been in the fandom because I imagine that many explorations of Spock in fic would look a lot at the way that he sees himself as defective. Um, and like challenge that yeah Brennan's nodding yes I've <laughs> yes. nailed it yeah it's not surprising um, I thought this fic did like such a good job of it though like even in the moments where he is not actively thinking about the things that he would like to change about himself or the things that are in him that he doesn't think serve him necessarily in the way that he was taught that they should um just the narration itself often points to this lack that he feels. Uh, there's even a line where he is sort of narrating, thinking to himself. It's it's in the narration. It's sort of hard to pin down exactly what's happening, especially in this fic where many of the lines of narration are not even Spock's own. Um, but it says, In the peace of his mind, there is no peace in his mind. There is only disturbance and heat, which he has spent his life eradicating. So, like, even in that situation where he's not thinking, like, this is something that is actively wrong with me, like, it is something that he sees as being wrong with him, um, even the implication that he hasn't done a good enough job at creating this peace in his mind, there are a lot of allusions to him, like, meditating constantly because he assumes that these dreams, thoughts that are that he's receiving from the Enterprise are a result of his own mental shields sort of being too low, that he's not doing a good enough job keeping them up. Oh, like I can I can completely see how fandom would take this aspect and run with it like in so many different directions. Um and I, I was glad I think that this was the first time that I had gotten to encounter a lot of this because it felt very true to kind of what I would have wanted if I had even known to look for it. I mean, yeah, I I I totally agree with that. And I think 
I was sort of talking about this earlier, but I want to come back to it again, is Spock's struggle with his sort of in-betweenness um, and his struggle to sort of balance the Vulcan and the human. I think that's that's a lot of where he often seems to find that like deficiency in himself, um, is not being good enough at either of them or good enough at being both. Um, and I think something that I just found really like emotional about this fic is like watching Spock and the Enterprise sort of like define humanity together, neither of them being fully human, but both being informed by the human. I don't know, like, I don't really have a better word than like humanity, because I think that is sort of like what it's exploring. And I think, I think that's a big part of like Star Trek in general is like, what is what is humanity beyond the human? Like, what does it stand for? What can it look like? What can it be? And like, I think that's a lot of what they're what they're learning and what they're finding. And and I just love that it's it's these two people who have sort of like have human elements. Like, I mean, Spock is half human, but like the Enterprise in her creation, she is sort of made. She's physically made partially by humans as Starfleet, but she is also her consciousness is made up partially of like the human um, crew and by like Kirk in particular, and it's this it's this combination of like the the human and the alien and the everything else, the technological, I guess, also here um, coming together to like sort of explore these definitions um i think it's so well done and i just really love that aspect of it uh i think it's one of the reasons i really really like this fic so much well that also reminds me of a bit um sort of towards the end also when they're they're musing on the consciousness of the enterprise and how she developed the way she did where they're talking about how it was like a symbiotic relationship and and there was like a bit of a line like what (laughs) like they were afraid of like what would have that have looked like if the fireflies that led to her birth like if that had been for a Romulan ship or a Klingon Mm -hmm. ship like Mm -hmm. how differently that would have manifested um and sort of I guess like the implicit um statement of like how lucky they are that it was the Enterprise that encountered this phenomenon and that this was where she got to be born it's like well it's like she's only as good as she is because she was part of the Enterprise but like how lucky it is that the Enterprise was the ship that was there for it I mean it's all a circle but yeah I mean it's very I don't know, it was just, it, it was something that I was thinking about as you were talking, Bren, about mm-hmm. the nature of humanity. <laughs> yeah, that. Just you that. You know, the, the simple things. One other thing I wanted to talk about with this fic before we sort of wrap up um, is the, like, timeline of it um, and, like, the, the form of it. Yeah, so this fic starts out pretty chronological. Um, you're sort of just following scene after scene that seemed to be presented to you in time order. And also, Spock kind of keeps noting timestamps of things as well. And so you extra know, okay, this is Spock, and he's taking me along on this logical ride. And the more the Enterprise sort of is in his head, and the more she gains consciousness, and the more control that she has over the narrative as well, the more that the timeline unravels, um, and... You start jumping back and forth between things that are going to happen later on, um, between, like, uh, Spock's memories, between other people's memories, between her own conscious, like, thoughts, um, till, like, the last third kind of is entirely unraveled in, in a linear sense. Like, it, you sort of have to let yourself go as a reader, I think. I think if I 
tried to hold too tightly to the logic, I would find myself only frustrated because Ah. it's not, it's not, it becomes non, it it is not logical anymore, (laughs) the progression of this fic. And I think that I, like, I felt okay with that as a reader, but I think I also liked it as a reader because I think it works to emphasize the breakdown of the logic and rationality of Spock's mind as well throughout this fic and to to show how the Enterprise sees things differently from him. Like, time is such a thing that grounds logic, I think. Um, And I feel like Star Trek's even talked about that, but I'm not sure. Um, And I think the breakdown of that linear structure, like, emphasizes what's sort of happening to to Spock into the Enterprise. Um, and I sort of imagine the Enterprise probably not thinking in a linear fashion as this as this sort of being that's coming to consciousness, pulling her awareness from these people's memories, but it's all in this moment. And we even see sort of when she she learns to sort of pull a memory from someone's mind that they're not thinking about at that moment and show it to Spock in this moment. I think that's one area where I really saw this breakdown of, of temporality, I think. And so even though it can be, I think, at times as a reader, you get a little bit lost. I think that's the point of it as well. And I I thought it was very effective um, to sort of make this point about about what what their like what her mind looks like what and what spock is sort of how spock is learning to think differently about everything basically yeah. see bren hearing you talk about it i feel like puts me more at peace with it um <laughs> i had a bit of a different experience um i i did get I struggled with this fic a little bit i mean obviously as you can tell i have a lot of things i really loved about it and overall i think it was like a very well done fic um, there are times when, like, I don't know what's going on in a fic and, like, you know, like, I won't Google or whatever. Like, I'm just sort of along for the ride. This one I did get a little frustrated. Like, I just, I think I, like, not even that I needed to be rooted in, like, a very clear and linear timeline all the time. But, like, I don't know. I mean, like, it, like Brenna was saying, like, everything was unraveling. You're getting flashbacks, flash forwards. You're getting hypothetical situations. You're getting scenes from, or, like, memories from people who are outside of Spock. Um, and sometimes I feel like I was, like, losing sight a little bit of, like, what story the fic was trying to tell. Um, like, hearing Bren break it down the way she did, I was like, wow, that is really beautiful and poetic, and I think, like, (laughs) does such good work. But when I was reading it, I was kind of like, where, like, where am I supposed to be? Not even focusing. I don't know. I don't know if I have a good way of explaining it so much as just, like, there were so many things about the fic I was really enjoying and that enjoyment was not lost, but I was finding myself frustrated with how much I was, like, struggling towards that last third when things were unraveling um, and just wishing I had, like, a little bit more foundation. And I don't know, like, maybe, maybe like, just the way I read, like, I needed to be po- pointed in a stronger direction, but, like, you guys didn't. Um, I don't know. I think it's, like, you do lose your grounding entirely, so I think it's fair to say, like, that's a disorienting experience as a reader. Like, um, I do feel the same way to, like, a certain extent that, like, I, you, at a certain point, you don't really know what story you're following. I, this is also not my first reading of this fic, so sort of remembering what happens and, like, where it does end up might have sort of helped me navigate that section. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, I think it was something that I just, like, 
wanted to come to terms with as well because I like this fic so much. Like, why did this author make this decision? And that was sort of the answer that I had come to. Um, but that's not to say that it isn't disorienting. I just think that that's probably the point of it. Yeah, it's really interesting because I think my brain is just wired differently. Like, and this is true in my writing as well. The things that I struggle with most are timelines, are continuity, are keeping an eye on everything and knowing exactly, I guess, exactly what is happening when it is happening. Um, like, it's, it isn't something that I prioritize. I mean, I pay attention, I think, and I, I when I write, I do my best so that <laughs> people are not like, what on earth is going on here? Um, but I think my writing and by extension, my reading, or maybe in the other direction, I don't know, um, is like very emotion forward and very tone forward and very prose forward. Um, it took me forever to realize that this was like the Enterprise. It took me until she basically was like, it's me, the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> like genuinely. Because um, I was just along for the ride. I was like, this is interesting. Like, is it wind? I don't know. Like, <laughs> would rereading that last paragraph maybe is help me understand? Wind? Well, at one point it was like the voices in the wind or whatever. I okay, know. Oh, yeah, metaphor, yeah, you're right, I think, you're right. But I wasn't sure. Yeah. <laughs> Like, there are points where, like, rereading a paragraph a couple times probably would have given me a better understanding of what was going on, but I was having a good time just sort of rolling through it. Like, I don't think that I need to feel grounded in a fic necessarily, almost at all. <laughs> and I think also that means that I probably missed some stuff here, um, and I would like to reread it and try and pick those things up again, because um, my first go-through, I very much was just sort of hanging out. Um, but... I I think I felt similarly that at the end, to, to what Bren was saying, I think, speaking to the experience of, like, letting go of that, like, logical side and just seeing kind of what's happening for what it is and just kind of trying to roll with it as best you can, that was really how I was reading the whole fic. So by the time I got there, I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love this. Um, I think I, I was more in it for, like, specific lines that really stood out to me that, like, hit in a certain way or um elements of foreshadowing that paid off like i think i don't know maybe i just read more abstractly than i thought i did this is i feel like i'm learning things about myself <laughs> in this conversation welcome to the enterprise's learning journey yeah <laughs> Um, all right, so I had a lot of fun talking about this fic. I'm really glad we got to discuss it and that my friends wanted to. Um, <laughs> this was the fic With My Feet Towards the Stars, Let Me Remember You As You Were When You Existed by Carrier, um, a technically Kirk Spock fic. I would argue it should have been tagged Spock and Enterprise, <laughs> but you know, um, that's not on you, Carrier. That's just my own feelings about what's central to this fic. Um, I think it's a really lovely musing on the role the Enterprise plays on humanity, on what there is to learn um, out there in the universe, and just like the things that are kind of at the heart of Star Trek, I think, for me. Um, I'm really glad we got to talk about it. I'm excited to maybe revisit Brenna's sci-fi corner again in the future with something new. <laughs> I like it over here. All right. Thanks for tuning in for this episode of Fit Click. Um, to help us do our outro today, I have a very special guest, my mom, mom our very own mom of the pod. Hello, fellow ficklets. A mom of the pod here. Very glad you've joined in the fun. That is Fit Click. And if you want more, you can find these lovelies at their Twitter, their Tumblr, 
at FitClick. You can email them at fitclickpod at gmail.com. You can join their Discord, which you'll find the link on their Twitter. Best of all, you can leave them a review. Obviously a positive review. Uh, <laughs> you can leave them a review on Apple Podcast or wherever you find your podcasts. If you need any help with descriptors, I might offer lively, humorous, mind-opening, um, applause-worthy. Yeah, hype horn worthy. Hype horn worthy. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> wow, well, I feel like we can never do an outro again by ourselves. That was so good. I think that is the best that this will ever be. Yeah. Thank you to my mom for that incredibly professional outro. <laughs> Much better than what we usually stumble through. Thanks for joining me today as I record from a different location <laughs> than usual. Um, thank and you thank for you for listening. all your support. Yes. Highlight of my week. It is such a joy when Bren is like, yeah, I just got off the phone with my mom. She had a list of notes about what she really liked for the most recent episode. <laughs> it's del- it delights me that you continue to take notes while you listen. It's my favorite thing. I'm a true fan, people. True fan. I know. Step up your game, ficklets. <laughs> I know. Start taking notes. Here's, here's your model behavior. <laughs> Well, hey, for the rest of this uh, outro bit that we do, um, we're back. We're back next episode with a theme. Woo! We're doing a lot of those lately. Uh, this one is more coherent. We, we do some stricter yeah. themes, some looser themes. This one um, we're very excited about. Uh, we are doing Yuletide Fix, which we've brought Yuletide Fix to the <laughs> pod before, but we thought like Yuletide in July would be a fun mm-hmm. thing to do. Um so for our episode that's coming out July 10th, Nick, what is your Yuletide pick this this turnaround? I am, yeah, my not my first Yuletide pick. Uh, the one that I'm bringing is called Out of the Night, an Interview with a Mockingjay by A Thousand Winds, um, which is for, you might have guessed, uh, The Hunger Games Trilogy by Suzanne Collins. And it is a Katniss Pita fic. I guess technically it's canon, so. Yeah. Yuletide, I love Yuletide. Okay, Reed, what are you bringing? Um, hey folks, I we're back in Reed's video game corner. Um, <laughs> it's a great place to be, in my opinion. Uh, the fic that I'm bringing is Home for the Holidays by Lexi. It's a Dream Daddy fic. <laughs> um, technically, it's Damien Bloodmarch, Dad Sona, and the POV is from Amanda, the daughter. If none of that makes sense to you, don't worry. We'll be back in Reed's Explainer Corner also next know. episode. I didn't know it was canonically called a dad soda, please. I didn't either until I was going through this tag. Um, Brenna, what is your fic? Mine is called The Marvels of Whitby by Sath. Um, the, the fandom is listed as medieval manuscript illustrations, and that's all I'm going to tell you now. So get hyped, Ficklets. It's a good one. <laughs> I'm so excited for this episode. Honestly, part of the reason that we decided to do this theme is because Brenna, half as a joke, was like, well, I have this fic, and we were like, we have we to bring doing it. it. Yeah. Well, I have yeah. yet to be the one to bring just like and completely out of left field, like <laughs> you never thought this was a fandom kind of pick. So I think it I, I wanted to I wanted to be able to experience that. Wow. Well hey, thanks for listening everyone. We appreciate y'all and we'll see you next episode. Mama the Pod, would you like to join us for our Bye? Bye. <laughs> <laughs>